This is why we say customer education is the pillar of customer success. Why? Because we're engaging with those people on a fundamental level, the knowledge level, and we're trying to build them up to speed so they're better than us. It's November 16th, 2018, and welcome to episode six of C-Lab, the customer education lab where we explore how to build customer education programs, experiment with new approaches, and exterminate the myths and bad advice that stop growth dead in its tracks. I'm Adam Avramescu. And I'm Dave Darrington. All right. Well, welcome, Dave. We've, uh, we've got quite, a, quite an episode ahead of us. We're, we're actually uh, we're sitting in a room looking at each other. Which is fabulous. Yeah. This is what we want, right? We can't do that when you're in San Francisco and I'm here. So. Looking at each other from miles away. And speaking of days, what day is it? What's the national um, uh, day of? Today is National Button Day. Uh, I don't have any button. Well, I have one button. I, have, I also have one button. What are you supposed to do on National Button Day? Um, I don't know. Go, <laughs> go, go, go sew buttons. I, I'm compelled to find out more. But without further ado, let's break into this session and let's get into the spirit. So today we're going to be talking about connecting and visualizing customer education. What that means is if you're like us, uh, you know perhaps even painfully that our lives are driven by technology. I mean, who among us have uh, are not users of the internet or Facebook or Google or whatever? Um, probably some of those of you are that have managed to dispel the technology. Go you. Uh, but you're listening to us on a podcast. So we're going to talk about tech. You might have a learning management system. You might have tools like GoToTraining. You might have tools like Adobe Connect to do live trainings. You might even do surveys, and, and I, this is a big practice for me as I do training modules. I like to see what you think. I think you refer to a smile sheet in the good old days. And perhaps then you use a customer success platform, you know, like Gainsight, Tango, Strike Deck. So whatever the case, you're bound to technology, and that's the spirit of what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, so, I mean, let's, let's get into it. I think that when you are working with all these tools, they have the opportunity to give you a lot of information, mm -hmm. and they have the tool to offer a better customer experience but they also make your life and your day-to-day -day more complex, right? It, it increases our workload sometimes as customer education professionals when you have all of your information sitting in different systems. Yeah, that's, that's painfully true, Adam. So I think this one, let's go ahead and, you know, I'm pretty passionate about that. What, what I like to talk about is what we're going to do about this. Let's figure it out. Now, we've already talked about the LMS. Mm -hmm. We had we had a whole episode about LMSs, and I'm sure we'll have more episodes about more individual pieces of technology, but I love the idea of diving into how we can connect these and help these systems tell each other's stories, so to speak. So don't you think, Dave, that, that integrations that all these platforms are starting to offer, like, like Salesforce integrations mm -hmm. and Marketo integrations, don't you think they're enough? No, I don't. Okay, tell me more. All right, so this whole topic here is really, I'm, I'm really passionate about it. I'm a big data person, and let me lead into this by saying, I started off my career as a chemist, and not only a chemist, but one that was focused on data. So I was a computational chemist. I, I built models. I did a lot of work with computers. And in this, this day and age, you know, like coming to where I am today, I've thought a lot about integrating things. So I'm not certain that integration alone is enough. Right now, it should become increasingly clear that a big part of our roles, customer education leaders, is to think about the bigger equation. You may have heard the term socialized digital transformation. 
that in and of itself doesn't mean a whole lot. I like to think, in other words, of how do we look at the software that we're using and think seriously how it works together. We started this conversation with companies like Skilljar, uh, where that has a great Salesforce integration. I've used LearnDot's Salesforce integration. And while those are great, I don't quite think they're enough to get us where we need to be. That's a really interesting way of, of positioning it because you do have individual systems and you have the ability to integrate these different systems together. But until you have a way to get all of these systems reporting into some sort of single source of truth, mm-hmm. you have less ability to tell the story of your data. And we know that organizations are increasingly relying on data to tell stories. All the time. To make yeah. decisions, to improve operations. We have to look at data to be able to make decisions about what we're going to do. So as, as customer education leaders, you know we've historically been deprived of data. We've had our smile sheets and our satisfaction scores and uh, maybe whatever reporting that we can scrounge up on how many classes that we've sold and, and well, our completion rate is like completion rate, all of that, right? <laughs> but now we, we have an opportunity that we've actually never had before to start pulling all this data together, not just education data, but business data so that we can visualize it and figure out what role customer education plays throughout the customer journey. Exactly. So what's our hypothesis then? Let's test this hypothesis. To be influential in an organization, it's necessary for you to connect your different sources of data and to visualize what it means to your end goal of educating customers. Got it. Okay. Well, let's break into this. Um, Kick us off, Dave. Before we really dig into this, so I've got a few topic points that, that I'd like for us to discuss, Adam. Now, I tend to think about this quite a lot, this subject, partly because my previous role at Gainsight really got me thinking about it. My current role at Azuqua has me thinking about it oh so much more. And transparently, you know, I'm I'm user enablement here at Azuqua. My job is to get people to understand and use our product. Our product is integration platform, right, as a service. And today we're doing a joint podcast. This will be on the connector. This will also be on our CE Labs um, thing. And partly because we're crossing the gap. And, of course, we can do this with Checker at some point, too. What a great opportunity if you're a subscriber of one to subscribe to the other. Absolutely. Thank you, Adam, for that plug. Um, so l- let's get into this. Like The the interesting thing about products like Azuqua and actually products like Gainsight is that Azuqua is about integrating products together, connecting all of your apps that are in the cloud, sometimes on the prem. That sounds silly. Sometimes on prem. I say on the prem. On the prem. That's like a new hipster way to saying say. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what what has opened my eyes is that I've got this tool, and I never really thought I'd had this as a customer educator, that allows me to say, oh, I'm going to reach into Salesforce, and I'm going to look for this person, and I'm going to bring back information about them. I'm going to go out to Twitter and see who Adam Evermescu is and bring back information about them. I can dip into all of these different cloud apps that I have as a business. Now, how does that relate to me as an educator? Well, now at Gainsight, my mission, my passion was to leverage, we call this drinking your own champagne or eating your own dog food, leverage that product to be a lens, to be a visualization platform on the data that we're working with. So what what we're trying to get to is using all these tools to automate, right? That's the first point I want to put up with. So what that, what that means, so customer education, and we've already talked about this at length, customer education means different things to different people depending on whom you ask, right? Of course. Uh, And part of that customer's life, you know, let's pretend we're role-playing. You're my customer. I'm trying to teach you how to use a very complicated, sophisticated product. Your first natural inclination to say, 
one, Dave, I'm busy. Two, I'm stressed. Three, I don't understand what you're talking about. But it's too hard, Dave. It's too hard to use your <laughs> too product. Hard. That's that's how I imagine customers talk. <laughs> exactly. I love it. So those of you who are out there that are that are new, like you're starting out a customer education function, your company as an organization is brand new. You're trying to get it off the ground. This is hard, right? You've got to look through documentation. You've got to look through a knowledge base. You know, your customers are going to have to like maybe call in your support team and ask questions to basically treat them as de facto standard training and documentation. It's not what we intended to do. Yeah, I mean, information starts to get siloed at that point, um, even before your organization gets siloed. You right. have a lot of information about how to use your product, but you're not making it easy for the customer to find. And even though I just did a, a mock customer voice a moment ago, it actually is hard. It is hard for them, and we need to be able to empathize with them. So a couple of days ago, in, it was a national spicy guacamole day. <laughs> we're, we're at the, it's actually also National Education Support Professionals Day. That's maybe more related to what we do. But we were at the, the SkillJar Customer Advisory Board and uh, a bunch of really good SaaS companies there. We had a roundtable where we were talking about our customer education stacks. So not just the systems that we use to create content mm-hmm. or to deliver it, but also to measure it or to get feedback on it. Or to share progress. Yeah, or surveys, all, all of those things that we do around our education programs. And many of the programs that were there, like many of the, many of the teams, used upwards of 10 systems in their customer education Lord, stacks. That's a lot. Yeah, because you, you do a lot of things, whether it is creating or delivering or measuring. Okay. Now, with that in mind, a 10, on average of 10 systems, that's incredible. And, and that's my pain too. Like I might have Salesforce or HubSpot or, you know, SkillJar or what have you. So if we go back to the question that you asked before, is integration enough? I don't think so. Because are we going to integrate every single one of those systems? Those integrations aren't often provided. We don't need them. Like you can use products similar to Azuqua to reach in and connect and get the information in and out. How do you, how do you take all of those systems and let them work together to create a customer journey. That's, that's the point we want to get to today. So how do you automate that? How do you create that journey? How do you get that? Oh gosh, this is, this is a lot of load. Like if, if, you were doing, if you were starting out 10 years ago and you had maybe an LMS and you had the other stuff uh, to support it, your boss is going to say, hey, I need you to make a report each week. So I need to go into my LMS and I need to export some records and I need to put them in a spreadsheet. I need to build a pivot table. I need to go look up some other stuff. It might take me four or five hours to get just a report. And that's yeah. just a report on what we're doing. So, so yeah. So what about today? It's, it's 2018. It's almost 2019. What, what does that journey look like today? What different systems are they interacting with? All right. I'm going to propose an automated journey. All right, let's if you do will, it. I'm going to tell a story and tell you what my dream is. And and I've worked on on some material. Hopefully, in a future podcast, uh, I'll throw down what what we're trying to do here at Azuqua. You can share some of the things that you're doing as well, and we'll like get into the nitty gritty. But here's my dream: a new customer joins, right? They buy my product, and they get it installed and everything. Concurrent or uh, concomitant with that, we have an email that goes out. Welcome, Adam, to my new product X. Uh, we want to start your, your journey off right, and here's all the things that you can use to accelerate your onboarding. And that's and you, great because you're, you're catching me in a moment of need. Right, like, well, I don't know where to start. I don't know yeah. what to do. At that moment that you signed up, that you got a trial org or whatever, you get an email, and that email has, uh, where do I need to go? Where is the training material? How do I get the most value of it? What do I really need to do first? Like a quick start, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
right in my face, right there. It's empathetic, right? It's telling, yeah. it's giving me a start of my journey. But it's not overloading me. You're giving me what I need to start. But how am I going to learn all that other stuff along the way? Well, that's where we're going to be picking up. Like, for instance, um, I believe in a cadence, a cadence of delivery. This could be partially automated, or this could be built into your entire work process. So imagine, um, I know at Gainsight, we had project managers that would would be an implementation specialist, right? So let's say you had gotten Gainsight a couple of years ago, you would have gotten to a team and they, you would have been assigned a project manager and they would have had, they had a, this really great program at the time where they would meet with you once a week or a couple times a week and they basically give you little micro lessons and teach you stuff. But alongside that, they were helping you with the implementation process because there's things that you could do that they could not. And I'm more of a fan right now of also, you could do that, but I want to have like an adoption strategy. You signed up, you got access to the material. I'm going to bump you periodically the next week. Hey, I see, you, Adam, you did modules one and two. And these are really good modules that I would encourage you to do. Well, how do I know those? Because I've seen what you're trying to do in the product using my product, we'll use the big word telemetry or my adoption data. So having some kind of a cadence to find autonomously that goes from the start date, one week out, two weeks out, three weeks out, a month out, you're getting little bumps. They're not over the top. They're not unwieldy. There it's, hey, did you know? I bet you did know you could do this really cool thing today. Yeah, so having like a nurture or a drip campaign that, that goes on a, on a cadence. Indeed. And that's kind of a marketing thing, but this is post. It's customer marketing. It is customer. It may be pre-sales. It may be post-sales. It really depends because you could be in a trial and be getting this thing. As well. True, true. So you're gonna you're gonna increase conversion if you if you are in a trial, but you're also probably going to increase time to first value. Absolutely. And I like that because that changes the role of the CSM or the implementation manager during onboarding, instead of being the one who's just delivering all the information or knowledge dumping or spending their time training they're able to help project manage you through the implementation so exactly. that you are hyper-focused on getting to first value with the product and mm -hmm. to getting ongoing value instead of just delivering content. Absolutely. And that, that really should not be the customer success manager or implementation manager's role, I assert. Because if we decrease the mental load, that they, the cognitive load, I think that you'd use that term previously, my goodness, those people have so much to do to begin with. I think I'm you, actually going to use it in the future in our next episode. Ah, yes. Well, I've heard you talk about this in the past, though. We've, we, 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 <laughs> we've recorded these out of sequence. Okay, Indeed. but what about what about partners or people who have required uh, training plans? That's a really good question as well, because the way that I take training, I in, in my view of customer education, I look at this a little bit differently than, I, let's say I were in a services org, or I was internal and I was worried exclusively about onboarding my team. Right? I care about everybody. It's, it's all-inclusive world here at Azuqua. <laughs> but what I like to do is say there's different cohorts or different kinds of learners. A partner is a really good one. Now, I lump this into customer education as well because partners are customers. They well, might be and a, doing... lot of, a lot of teams have both in their scope, customers and partner education. Absolutely. Same team. The only differentiation that I would have is I think partners are more important for me to track and monitor. And maybe that's not me. Maybe... Let's say you're the head of a team, you're at a partner for Azuqua, and you have four or five people that are on your team. You're the kind of the uh, main point of contact project manager that is coaching them, right? Your job is to help them become onboarded. They have to know this product. Yeah. So my job is I want to build a framework so that, okay, just like that customer welcome email, they get a partner welcome email. Partner welcome email also says, hey, guess what? On top of this, you are required 
by your organization, not us, to complete this within two weeks at a, at a grade level of 80% or higher and to take all the tests, to do the stuff, and the, then to do a checkout exam. So all this stuff could be brought in. So that, yeah. that um, I, I think they should have additional reminders, additional notifications, and a way to understand how they, you know, did I pass, did I not? That helps because if a partner is working on, by proxy for your company, you sure sure want to do two things. One, I know that you're trained. Two, that customer has confidence in you. Absolutely. If you're going to be delivering on, on a company's behalf, the yes. company should certify you. Absolutely. So does that mean they're going to get like a badge or a certificate or something like that? Totally glad you asked about that because I think at this point, like in, in the stage where I'm at, I'm thinking about certification, but there's a couple different ways to do certification, right? And you probably speak more to this th- than I could, but at one level, you have kind of a light certification. Badging, I think is really cool because yeah. like Trailhead, you can walk through Trailhead and you get badges and you do it all for free and it makes you not just feel good, but you attained a level of experience that's well earned, Mm -hmm. right? So with that for, you know, we could give you a certificate of completion, I can give you badges to say you've done these levels. That's really great thing because, you know, I've been exploring Mozilla open badges. Uh, You can add these things to your LinkedIn account, show off I've done this stuff. That transitions to, translates to value with your end customer. Um, It might help you get a job. Uh, all kinds of benefits of that. So definitely I'm thinking about certification in that process. And then going back to the point that you were making earlier, that usually involves a lot of systems talking together. Totally. Right, because if I'm going to certify you, that means that sometimes I have to be able to go in the product and understand whether they've performed the right actions. Right, right. Uh, it might mean that they've taken some sort of test that's being tracked either in a learning management system or an assessment platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are using open badges, that might be uh, even a different platform. It's another thing. Uh, yeah. You've got to be able to post them to LinkedIn. So there's a lot of systems involved at that point. Totally. And that involves building out use cases and building automation around that using some kind of a tooling in this case. I'm doing it with Azuqua where I could actually say, oh, I see that you have completed my 100 level series by doing all the quizzes. I see you completed them all. I have a roll up that says once all these things are hit, I'm looking at that every day and say, hey, Adam, I see you completed level 100 with a 99.9% you know, score. You automatically get your certificate and it's sent to you um, through another system. That sounds like something think that would be it. great to automate. Yeah. Totally. Because I, I don't want to deal with that because mucking around with it by hand is a heck of a lot of work. No, I mean, we, 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 sh- we are past the point where the first person that we have to hire on our teams is the training admin. Uh-huh. That's all being done <laughs> by technology now. And that's, that's great. Uh, so what about, what about after onboarding? And after onboarding, you don't stop. I mean, I can, I can get this to the point where you're going to continue to have webinars, to have updated training, to have podcasts. You know, we can take a, a cue from marketing. Uh, because marketing, I think, is really good at establishing a, a campaign, and you should never stop. I mean, you should put people into different campaigns by roles uh, to have this nurture, this adoption track. I mean, we never stop in customer education. Once we get onboarded, then how do I expand and learn more and grow? How do I teach others? So that that never stops, and building those cadences as well, that's a nurture campaign. Yeah, and, and let me maybe add something to that as well, which is that within an account, you're usually going to have different user roles and different users. Mm-hmm. So even if your account is out of onboarding and you've done those things to help that that customer get set up in the first place, you're still going to always have new users coming on board, especially totally. if you're working in a high turnover industry. Yeah, and that's really easy to do because once I see, like let's say I'm tracking via HubSpot, I could see that account X has uh, Jane just started the other day. Well. Yeah. I could be looking at my account and say, oh, Jane started, she's been assigned this role. 
my system is already looking at that and can pick Jane up and send that welcome email and onboard her yeah. without ever me having to be even aware of it. Although I'm going to get a notification via Slack because I can do that kind of thing. Yeah. And now she gets a role, a role based nurture and mm-hmm. she's coming up to speed and her admin doesn't have to worry about it. So totally. everyone's, everyone's good. Everyone's copacetic. Copacetic. I love that word. <laughs> so to do that though, that, that involves a lot to get you to your dream. You have to have different systems and you have to have access to those systems. So how do you make that training data actionable? That's where it gets fun. Let's let's think about this. You already know you came off the SkillJar event just recently here. Vendors like SkillJar offer integrations. Sometimes depending on who they are, they may be free. You may have to pay for it. Largely, I would say you'd see those companies offering that as another SKU because it's, it's an untrivial amount of work to create an integration and maintain it. That's why it's a good thing. So integration is a great example. Let's let's take Salesforce. I've used Salesforce integrations well because let's say you log into the learning management platform and now I know what account you're associated with. Now I can start to integrate all that data together. And what am I gonna do with that? First thing that you'll wanna do is obviously roll up that data so that you can see the landscape of learning. That means by account, by person, where they're at in their journey, however you want to articulate that into some kind of a table. I use just like a basic database table that as things are happening, I'm bringing and rolling up people so that you're basically examining and merging all of that data together. And I think, you know, we were discussing this before. You might want to analyze it, visualize it with some kind of, uh, you know, SQL variant database and a, and a BI tool like Tableau or, you know, what have yeah, you. Like we've used Looker before. Looker's we've used great Tardio. for that. And, and there's an architectural question that comes from that. So you mentioned, you know, sometimes some companies, it's great for them just to have the, the CRM integration. Mm-hmm. So let's say that Salesforce is their source of truth. That's where everyone is looking for that information. Yep. Well, if that's the case, then if every system you use has a Salesforce integration and Salesforce is able to provide all your reporting, then great. Make friends with your sales ops person and <laughs> sales, Salesforce is going to be your source of truth. But yes. the fact of the matter is for many companies, that's not the case. And so for for example, at Optimizely and Checker, we've chosen not to roll everything into Salesforce using Salesforce integrations, mm-hmm. but what we've actually done is use data connectors to get all of our information into our data warehouse and use the data warehouse as the source of truth so that yes. we can visualize it in Looker or Chartio or whatever uh, your system of choice is. Absolutely, whatever you want. Yeah, you know, and like- some LMSs like SkillJar, for instance, they, they do have a data connector that that goes into your uh, data warehouse, or I've seen other uh, solutions use APIs or, or other ways just to, to really extract, transfer, load that data. ETL, okay, you're ETL. talking my language right yeah. now. No, I think this is really cool, Adam. And, and you're building, you're talking to the point that I'm trying to make, is that in some way, and, and this is going to be different for every one of you, you're going to have different systems, but at some point you need to take out a piece of paper and you need to build this system, this flow chart of systems like we were talking in previous podcasts. What are all the, the technologies that you use? Where are they at? What do they do? And then think about how do you knit them together? You're, you're thinking exactly dead on. You have a da- data warehouse that you can look at and inspect and build reports against to answer any of the questions that you want. And you feed the data in from various different integration platforms or integrations as you know static vendor integrations. And we get all this together. Now we can start looking looking at it. And what are you going to do with it? We just talked about this. Onboarding critical roles. There might be a difference between a partner and a generic customer. Maybe you have a use case in which, and and I've seen this practically before where it comes in handy. Let's say you have a team member, Adam, and that team member, you say, hey, I need you to learn this application really well because maybe you're my training operations person. You need to learn how to use this database platform and, and or the BI tool. And okay, 
you need to come back and say, okay, Jim, did you do this work? Well, I don't want to have that question of, did you do it? I want to have this answer of, I see that they've progressed to the system and I have access to those tools. So that knowledge is there. I have a dashboard. It shows me where I'm at, what I've done. For Jim, I see that Jim got his badge. Awesome. You know, that goes all the way through. But doesn't stop there because, number one, like at Gainsight, one of the things that I did is I gave some tools, some dashboards in Gainsight for my CSMs who were always asking me, did so-and-so do training, so-and-so do training? And I just go, here's a page, bookmark it, look it up. Not just the CSM a lot of the time, but the point of contact on the customer side. Totally. If you can democratize that data, if you can open it up so that both your CSM and their point of contact can both see that information, that's powerful. That is, and that's relatively easy to do. Even with Gainsight had provisions to be able to expose a page. At the time, they were calling it the um, Gainsight 360. So I could share that kind of information on training journeys or learning journeys with customers using my data, uh, my source of truth. Yeah, and a lot of customer LMSs have this too, where there's some sort of uh, customer-facing dashboard or portal, yeah. Totally. But that doesn't stop there. Like, So we might want to get to what's my MPS, right? What's my training NPS? Uh, you know, how many modules have people done? Um, maybe I start wanting to do things like a customer files a zero in an MPS or logs a zero in MPS. And I know what we have here for MPS stuff is we're going to get a notification in Slack for our director of customer success, and then we can take action upon it. So yeah. actioning upon it could be various different use cases from, okay, uh, my employee didn't do their training. I need to have them follow up on it, and I need to know about it. Or a customer is very unhappy with the training that they received because there was something legitimately wrong or it broke and I get notified instantly through Slack. All of these different things. Or for example, a, training, a customer says, I don't understand how to do this and they file a ticket and that ticket goes into JIRA as um, something for my documentation team to fill a gap. So that's what we mean by having actionable data. First step, we build that data repository. Second step, is now we start defining the use cases and the workflows autonomously that help take that load off of us as a manager of a customer's uh, education unit and give us that information. So now I can go, hey, Jim, you're my uh, training ops person. Guess what? I, I need you to go and complete this thing so that I know that you're in good shape. Jane, you know, you're, you're focusing on building new modules and your backlog is already built for you in Jira. You just have to drag that Kanban style into, this, into the next thing and say you're working on it. Everybody's doing their job and it's a whole lot less uh, cumbersome. Very cool. So, so if, I, if I understand you correctly, the idea is that based on what a customer does or doesn't do, someone needs to be able to respond to that. Someone needs to be yeah. able to take action. And you don't want to be checking a bunch of different systems to make that happen. You want those systems talking to each other so you get that information quicker. Right. And I'd argue that I think a lot of folks are either just completely overwhelmed and they just give up because they don't have the tools they need to, to integrate their stack or they haven't been tracking to begin with because they're not aware of all the tools that are out there to help subsume this data into one unified look with actionable outcomes. Yeah. How are you doing things at Checker and even Optimizely? So... At, at actually both Checker and Optimizely, one thing that I did pretty early, sorry, let me start again. Mm -hmm. When I started at Checker, one thing that I did early was make good friends with our data engineering team, sales ops, business systems, all the teams that really control or have access to the data and the reporting. Right. And that was a lesson that I learned because at Optimizely, I don't think we did that early enough. Mm. So we did have systems that had information, but they weren't talking to each other. And so it was 
you know, easy for us to look at whatever that particular system's native reporting was, mm-hmm. but it wasn't easy for us to tell the story of how do those systems relate to each other, and it wasn't easy for us to tell the story of if something happens in this system, like let's say a customer takes training, what effect does that have downstream on their product adoption or on their yeah. renewal rate or expansion yeah. rate or churn rate? So because we didn't do that early enough at Optimizely, but eventually we got that to a really mature point, it was something I wanted to start doing really early at Checker. And in fact, I, I partner with those teams when we were starting to do our systems evaluations because I want them to tell me how effective the integrations are, how effective the data connectors are, how effective the APIs are, because they're going to have a perspective on that. And ultimately, uh, I don't want them to feel a lot of pain around working with an API that's not going to meet their needs. So, you know, the, the harder the API is or the, the less powerful the integration is, they have to make implementation decisions based on that. And, uh, I, or they I may have to code them, them themselves, right? Yeah, so it, it just makes it hard to analyze and tell the story. Yeah, and that's why in this this point, since this is a co-branded one, I'm making a shameless plug for Azuqua. The main reason I shifted from Gainsight, and this is an interesting story. When I had an opportunity to work here, I was blown away by the technology because I was using it at Gainsight. And I was using it specifically because I needed a tool or technology that integrated or brought data in from various resources. My integration from LearnDot was great. It was sufficient to a point. But it gave me a volume of data I didn't care about or didn't need because it just gave me all of it. And I needed a very concise thing. When I learned about Azuka and I said, oh my gosh, so here's the rabbit hole I went down. I was building Python scripts and I was building my own database on my own server because I couldn't get help from our development team to do this. And because they were arguably busy and for good reason. I didn't want to disrupt them. They said, we don't have time for it. So I had to find a solution on my own. That's where Azuqua and, and products like Azuqua are, are, are really useful. Azuqua solved that problem for me. I could easily connect any data source. We have 250 connectors and, and more now. So you can connect to Salesforce, HubSpot, you know, whatever it is. Even those that have an API that don't have a connector that we built, you can connect to. So for me, now I have stuff running right now that I can say, hey, I see somebody did this training module and they completed it and, you know, I can send them a report. It, it's just, it's fascinating. So that's why I would advocate if you're, if you're going down this road, I'm going to talk about this more in future podcasts, try to talk about it agnostically, but check out Azuqua if you're in learning and education, particularly customer education, you have this problem that Adam and I have both had. Yeah. And when you're, when you are making friends with your your data ops teams, maybe have them check it out too. Indeed, because they'll yeah. love it. Cool. No, no shame in a shameless plug, Dave. No shame. Obviously, I mean, we, we came to work for the companies that we work for for a reason. Mm-hmm. You have to believe in the product. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so now that we have the data connected, how do we tell that story visually? How do we build these dashboards to actually uh, make our points come across and support our work? Well, I think this is a doozy. I think this is the whopper. Um, the, the best of all the hamburgers, right? Um, <laughs> so I'm going to be frank. Learning management systems often offer really great reporting. I was super impressed, actually, with LearnDot's adoption of really great reporting system that I had a lot of tuning power over. It came a little too late for me because I'd already done it. I think that having different kind of reports, a dashboard, for instance. Here, here's one of my dream ones. Um, let me talk a little bit more about Gainsight. I realized that tools like Gainsight, tools like Tableau, other different reporting platforms are really amazing for visualizing, right? Particularly Tableau. We were, we were just at Tableau uh, Con 18, and we did a hackathon. 
And just seeing the creativity that people have and making these beautiful dashboards is amazing that can be shared with anybody. And they're very intuitive and, vis- and, and give you the stuff you need to understand the problem. So I had one dashboard that was just learning status. Anybody can go to it and figure out where they were. I had a part of that that was customer facing that they can go and look up their records. It was simple, easy, effective. I can even automate sending an email with that on a periodic basis. One thing that I got to, and you're going to love this because we talked about metrics and we'll talk about metrics again. I built an executive dashboard. How do I correlate to all the major metrics, time to value? Um, What's my overall learning NPS? All these things that matter for me to validate how good of a job I'm doing. So I don't know about all of you, but I think this is a really hard thing to do because you're working really hard in education to try to get out there. And guess what? If you're not tracking that and you're not doing NPS, you're not getting data, you're not reporting your data, you're missing the boat. Like somebody may come along and say your training sucks. Well, you never had any information or exposure to that. And guess what? You're going to be really offended. And it might be right. Um (laughs) <laughs> and, and you know this I, I i think i think this is actually part of our uh, origin story dave that part it of is. part of the reason why i um i learned who you were and got really interested in talking to you was seeing the work that you had done integrating gainsight and uh learn dot yeah and that, and and that was those dashboards that you had built it was super hard but what i like about our interaction here is that you've talked given a lot more definition to some of the new kind of metrics right that you're doing cohort analysis. You're saying, how, how quickly did somebody get onboarded? And I can look at that if I've got a volume of data and I, I've correlated to an account, right? The concept of an account, whether it be in HubSpot or Salesforce or some other CRM, to a learner that's within that account. And I could say, hey, people at Pandora.com, first thing that pops in mind because I'm listening to some music, um, they want to do training and their, their speed to come on board was you know so much faster than somebody that never took the training. Well, duh, but I can quantify it. So that's like a time to value type thing. We can go into ARR, annual recurring revenue. I could correlate ideally, and I and I actually did this against that, and I was pleasantly pleased that ARR of companies that consume customer education material is higher than those who do not. Churn rate, all these things. These are things that this is why we say customer education is the pillar of customer success. Why? Because we're engaging with those people on a fundamental level, the knowledge level, and we're trying to build them up to speed so they're better than us, right? They know our product even better. Yeah, and, and when you're trying to do that sort of attribution or correlation, it starts by getting curious about what's happening outside of your education business and what's happening in your business at large. Yeah. So, for instance, at, at Optimizely, when we were building our dashboards, we started by building dashboards around these very operational questions. So we wanted to look at discoverability, traffic, value, things like what is our most viewed content or Mm -hmm. how many people are visiting our site every day or what is our uh, enrollment and completion rate. Things that you can get out of LMSs, out of Google Analytics, but Uh we, we wanted to pull those together at least in ways that were easier to report on. But what we really started to move to over time was looking more at impact. And it's it's as important, I think, to look at the impact of training on a business as to look at things like bookings, margin, and revenue. It's it's as important now for us to look at product adoption, expansion, renewal, churn, time to value, mm-hmm. support deflection, sales, sales, ARR, because education does have an impact. And I think for each of those 
you can ask this fundamental question. For those who took training versus didn't take training, what is the difference in those key business attributes? Yeah. So, you know, you, you mentioned a good one. What's the ARR of customers who were trained versus ARR of customers who weren't trained? Yeah. Let me, let me propose another one that we looked at at Optimizely. What is the common support ticket contact rate, customer contact rate? Oh, this is a good yeah. one. For trained versus untrained customers. <laughs> what is the renewal rate for trained versus untrained customers? And as long as you have a common definition about what trained equals, mm-hmm. um, in fact, I've, I've heard Pat Durrani, who's president of Sedma, and he's, he's a, he leads training at Talend now. Uh, he says, just, just get really simple about it. If you're going to say a trained customer is someone who's taken at least one training, just be really simple. Don't try to uh, think about different tiers and different levels of attribution and all of that. Just have a definition for what a trained customer is. I like that. That's really easy to translate to a, um, a SQL query. Uh, look at this table where we have one person that's taken one course and put that as a red, yellow, green. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A, a very simple dashboards. Like, oh, this this account is in the green for education because they're like it, it Gainsight, I, something I really valued was that they had these kind of red, yellow, green or, you know, dashboards that showed showed data under different lenses. Let's put it like that. One of the things that they hadn't gotten to, which I kept pushing towards and we hadn't gotten there yet, was a whole training scorecard. Have they taken at least one training? Have have you know? Are they are they continuing to look at that? How many people do they have in training? Do they not have anybody in training? Like I would say, in a customer success environment in Gainsight, if a customer is not consuming training, they're red. Yeah, absolutely. They're totally red, and mm-hmm. that then because, quite frankly, this might incent some customer success managers that might be listening. But I'm going to say to you, your job is not to train the customer. And you're in a small company and you don't have any training people, that's fine. But your job is to help empower the customer and make sure they're using the product. Make sure they're happy using the product, not to train them. That takes a lot of time and that's what my job is. So getting you that tool so you can come back and say the call to action then for you as a customer success manager be, I'm not going to do this training. I'm going to give you the information and we're going to build it and automate it. And then we've got this feedback loop. The other thing that you can start to do that's interesting is, you know, right now we're, we're telling a story about correlation and attribution, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We want to understand what do trained versus untrained customers do. So, you know, it's easy enough for me to say um, a trained customer who is someone who has taken at least one training is X percent more likely to perform this key action in my product. Yeah. And by easy enough, I mean, that's, that's hard. But if you have the data, you can do that analysis. Indeed. What's a little harder to do sometimes is to figure out when is it correlation and when is it causation? Ah. Because I know some organizations that are very strict and, and very rigid about the idea that you can't make arguments just based on correlation. It has to be a direct causation. Exactly. So you have to prove to me that because a customer was trained, they use this feature more or because a customer was trained, they renewed. So we have data on that. Yeah. And we can confirm that. Yeah. With, and, and so it, it's a more complex uh, set of data that you have to gather. Now you might have to do more of like a time series or figure out, hey, for customers who were trained in month one versus not trained in month one, what was their uh, product usage in month three? Right? That might be one way to structure it. Yeah. Or you do like a pre and post cohort analysis. 
but if you're if you're capturing really granular data in that data warehouse, you have that information. Yeah. It's that it would obviate the need to get to a very detailed, precise picture of what the what the learner is doing. Absolutely. So, you know, regardless of how you tell that story, having the data available to you is going to let you start answering those questions and, mm-hmm. and giving a more compelling argument back to your business. Yeah. And, and that, that resonates and comes back to the point that you've got to connect all of your tools, get the data in a place where you can then start asking questions. It's your Oracle, right? It's, it's my source of information that I can spin off in any other direction. Well, you know, we've, we've talked data to each other. <laughs> so uh, let's let's wrap up maybe with a few conclusions, Dave. What, what would you uh, what would you give as a call to action to folks listening on on either of our podcasts right now? All right, again, I'm going to have a call to action for you to get out a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen or Evernote, whatever you use, and uh, and sit down and ask yourself some questions. You may have already done this on our our previous podcast if you're traversing the series. Sit down first and do this exercise. Like Adam had said, on average, people are having about 10 systems. Write them down. What are they? Uh, within that, I would ask yourself or ask the vendor if you don't know, do these products have an integration? Uh, failing that, do they have an API? Many companies do. APIs are the future. That's, again, back to the point of this podcast here. I'm talking about Azuqua. We consume APIs, and our job is to be able to pull that information all in one source. You can connect all your apps, right? So having an API is a question you really want to ask any vendor so you can get access because it's your data. And then when you have access to it, you can bring it in. So what system do you have? Where is that data that you need? And think about things that are outside of your 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 wheelhouse, right? You don't own Salesforce. You're you're bribing Jeanette with beer over in BizOps to help get you access to it. It doesn't mean you're breaking any rules. It's you know, just Jeanette making sure. Jeanette loves a good Pacific Northwest IPA. <laughs> Indeed. Um, but th- that's important to do. Build that network. Understand what your systems are. So then we've got the data. We know where everything is. Let's talk about how would you deliver training if you could automate it, Okay. That is, it's kind of getting into learning. It doesn't have to be because I can also automate notifications. I'm doing this virtual instructor-led training or send out an email like, would you like to have in-person training? We're going to be in San Francisco on this week at this date, and I'm going to give you a discount on training if you sign up today. So you're capturing all that data. It doesn't matter how a a customer consumes that training. It's just that they have the exposure and they can get to it. Ideally, I'm going to send you everything I have on demand first. If that's not enough, we've got instructor-led, like we do Twitch every week. We, we can do on, uh, on-prem if you need it. But those are high cost, a lot of time. Think about how you would automate it. What are your use cases? What are your workflows? How do you want to build or articulate that journey? And then the piece de resistance is reporting. What are your metrics? What's your business doing? This might be a conversation with many different team leads, you know, customer success, what do they want? What is marketing in? What is sales and revenue trying to drive for? What's your CEO interested in? Get, gather all that, all these metrics and figure out, do I have enough information to be able to ask that question? What does this do? Do I have the data to substantiate it? Can I get to causation? And that's the, the, the holy grail. If I can do all those things and I can build an autonomous system, then my daily work isn't all about reporting and getting to my bosses. Uh, the information they need about how successful I am, that's taken care of. I can focus on educating. Let me suggest that if everything Dave just said sounds completely overwhelming to you, take a step back because data is confusing, right? Data, Data can be really intimidating. I think starting with that list of systems that you have is a really great start. 
I think you can complement that by writing down just a list of questions that you have about your customer experience or about the impact that education is having on your customers. So even if you're not ready to write down all these reports and figure out all these (laughs) metrics, start with a set of questions. Indeed. Yeah. Very good. So with that, uh, we're at the end of another great podcast. Uh, If you want to learn more, remember, you probably already found this. We are at customer.education out on the interwebs. Uh, There you can find all of our podcasts, some great blog entries. I know, Adam, you've crafted a few of them just recently that should be available soon. Uh, You can find show notes and other collateral that we like to share with you. And if you found value in this, uh, make sure you share it with others, your friends, your peers, over beers, like you like to say, uh, and help us find the others. And on Twitter, I'm at Dave Darrington. I'm at Avramescu. And again, thanks for joining us. Go out and educate, experiment, and find your people. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Hey, Adam here. If you're enjoying our show or finding value from it, I'd like to ask you for a quick favor. I'm not here to ask for your dollars but it would really help out if you subscribed in your podcatcher of choice and went to iTunes or Spotify and left us a positive review. Leaving us a review is the most powerful thing you can do to help expose this show to new listeners. The algorithms really love it. Maybe you don't think of yourself as someone who reviews or subscribes to podcasts. Well, if that's you, please take a few minutes to go in and rate all the shows you listen to at once. You'll help an angel get its wings. Thanks in advance from your pals at C-Lab.